Hello, hello, Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, Miami Heat podcast for the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to bring you the latest on our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. First off, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Hopefully you didn't have to work too hard for Black Friday if you work like retail. I did that several years. Um, But yeah, hope everybody had a great, good, long weekend. Now let's get back to the podcast. So uh, Miami went 2-2 in the last week since the last episode. We'll start off with the first game that was at Pistons. So Miami was finishing up a four-game road trip. It started with the Wizards the previous Saturday, which is the game that they lost, unfortunately. So looking to bounce back against the Pistons. I mean, it's the Pistons. That's that's like the bounce-back game if you're ever going to have it. They're still one of the worst teams in the league. I went in thinking this was going to be an easy win. Uh, Got a little bit scared. We ended up still winning, though. 100-92. That was the good part. But, yeah. Uh, for Through three quarters, the Pistons, you know, beat Miami. And it was really only because of a crazy fourth quarter that they won. So, for quite some time, there was just, like, hands on the head. Just, what the fuck are they doing? What is going on? We can't be doing this. But, uh, all good in the end. But, go through the recap real quick. Sorry. So, uh, first quarter, this is another Jimmy Butler, please save us quarter. He had 10 of Miami's 20 points. Pistons, uh, Sadiq Bey had 11 points, uh, which helped the Pistons take a lead halfway through the quarter. They ended up finishing the quarter on a 25-20 to lead. Uh, into the second, the Heat did tie it early in the second behind a Tyler Hero-powered 7-0 run. However, Jeremy Grant for the Pistons then pushed their lead back even further um, now up 53-46 going into halftime. In the third quarter, it hung around five point, you know, about a five-point lead for the Pistons most of the third quarter until the Pistons went on a 9-2 run that put them up double digits. Uh, although the quarter did end just shy of a double-digit lead, up nine, Pistons up 76-67. to So, yeah, at this point, there was a lot of uh, concern going on right now. However, you know the outcome. Uh, you probably know what happened. Tyler Hero absolutely exploded in the fourth quarter. 14 points on 5 of 7 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. Uh, the Heat opened up on an 18 to 4 run in the first half of the fourth quarter behind Tyler Hero. They ended up uh, outscoring the Pistons 33 to 16 to take that 192 win. And yeah, this is the game, uh, Lowry, Butler, and Bam were were all like relatively quiet, I guess you could say. Uh, they all went 15 points each, so Jimmy Butler had very much cooled off after that first quarter where he scored 10. Tyler Hero, though, was really the big story of this game. 31 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, went 12 of 21 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3-point range, 3 or 4 from the line, and then just, yeah, absolutely crushed it in the fourth quarter, leading Miami to a comeback win. A win they would have in despite going 9-29 for 31% from three. Uh, although they did crush the rebounding uh, 51-35 and just to get them more opportunities. Uh, and specifically, they had a six, They were up 16-5 to five on rebounds in the fourth quarter. So that, that also helped a lot for Miami's run. But yeah, 192 win. Uh, w in the books. Still a bounce back even though the first three quarters uh, raised some concerns. On to the next. They had a back-to-back on the road. Their next stop uh, Wednesday was at the Timberwolves, who, you know, there's always the beef with uh, Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves because of how things ended up. And, you know, so there were some allegations, specifically in regards between, like, Butler and Towns. But uh, regardless, this is a team that does play Miami really rough, and they've they've been able to sneakily have our number. Even though they're a play-in level team in the West, 
they've been like sneakily good against Miami, like an, another team we'll, we're going to mention in a little bit. Um, back to the topic, though. Uh, at the Timberwolves is the game the Heat lost 101 to 113. And the first quarter was very much a back and forth. They did have the Heat down 27 to 30, but, you know, there was a lot of give and take there. The Heat did take a 9 0 run early in the second, which did get them the lead. They were able to push that as high as 12. But uh, eventually the Wolves were able to chip away a little bit, and it settled down to a 62-54 lead at halftime. So Heat are up eight still. Uh, coming out into the third quarter, though, uh, there was a 14-6 run by the Wolves that tied it up halfway through the third. Then it ended up being back and forth again with the Wolves eventually being up 86-82. So kind of like after that run, it was kind of like the first quarter again, just some back and forth and the Wolves just being able to start to pull away a little bit. Uh, then the fourth quarter, it was still close throughout. It was This game was tied with about seven and a half minutes left. And then the Wolves just went on a 17-5 run. It just completely blew, blew out the heat. One of the big culprits here was eight turnovers in the fourth quarter, most of those coming during that 17-5 run. And just, yeah, just a way in stark contrast to the Pistons game the night before where, like, you know, they were getting beat down for three quarters and they just rallied in the fourth. This is a little bit the opposite. They were, you know, either in it or having the lead and then they just fell apart at the end. This was also a game where, yeah, Miami just had trouble finding a player to really go to to get them, uh, you know, a high point total. So the Heat had no 20-point-plus scorers in this game. Jimmy, 5 of 9 uh, from the field, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, 0 of 3 from 3, finished with 16 points. Bam, 7 of 10 from the field, 4 of 11 from the free throw line. So that was a real, real opportunity right there, especially during, uh, like, you know, second, third quarter of the game where Bam missing free throws kind of kept the door open a little bit more. But he finished with 18 points. Hero, uh, 5 of 18 from the field. It's not a very efficient game. Good from 3, though, 4 of 11 from 3. So just, like, keep that in mind, right? Like, Hero shot as well from three-point range as Bam shot from the free throw line, <laughs> which is just... Really, really bad. But uh, regardless, um, two two from the from the line for Hero finished with sixteen points. So like they didn't have anybody that was just you know that was their their go to scorer, which I think was a bit of the problem. Usually you think you'd go to Butler or Hero in the fourth quarter, but yeah, just the way that they were turning the ball over, that wasn't going to happen. This was a decent shooting game for Miami. They went fifteen to forty two from three for thirty six percent. Duncan. You know, it, it's another one of those, like, high-volume games. So he did make five threes, but he took 15 shots. So that's still – it's still 33% for, for Duncan, which is below what we need him to be, unfortunately. Gabe Vincent, though, good 4-7. So, you know, we had somebody that could chip in a little bit. Uh, but Miami also stomped on their boards 40-52. Uh, to 52. So, yeah, the rebounding – and we'll get to this a little bit later on, but – what used to be one of the big advantages for Miami, which is just crushing opponents on the boards. Uh, but that's getting ahead of myself. That's it for the Wolves game. The real big game last week was the one against the Bulls last Saturday. This was the game that my the, though it was at Bulls to finish up Miami's road trip, this was the game where the Bulls, they did stomp the living shit out of the Magic the night before, but they still played, and they played at Orlando's. They had to fly back into Chicago. Uh while Miami had already been there for several days, and they still had to play a back-to-back. So there were definitely some advantages that were going towards Miami, and it's like, all right, you drop the the Wolves game, second out of a back-to-back, that's rough, they play you tough, whatever. The The Bulls was like the, the big 
test of the week. Uh, it was the game that they won, 107 to 104. <laughs> this was a closely contested game. There's 10 lead changes throughout the game, five ties. So, yeah, the final score was like very indicative of kind of how the game was in this case. This was also a game the Heat would be without Tyler Hero. Uh, I saw some, I've been seeing some conflicting things. Some places say that it's body soreness, some people say, some places say it's illness. Um, regardless, he was out. Hopefully, he's fine. Uh, he was all. He would also miss the Nuggets game on Monday. And um, as of what I've seen today, he's listed as day to day. But that's how he's been the last few days. So we'll kind of see. But uh, at least on Saturday, no Tyler Hero. So big disadvantage for Miami. But the replay. So the Heat took a lead about five minutes into the first quarter, and we're able to slowly build up to a twenty-seven to twenty lead, like just throughout to finish the first quarter. Though it wasn't really like they went on any runs or anything. It was just kind of like little chips here and there. Uh, the t- second quarter was very tight. They never saw Miami expand on their lead at all. And they actually ended up seeing it chipped away down to 49 to 46 at halftime. Lonzo Ball was really big for the, the Bulls, going uh, eight points, five rebounds, two assists in the quarter. Um, but, yeah, so, like, again, the, the biggest lead so far has been seven. Now it's gotten chipped away. So, yeah, after holding... DeMar DeRozan to 2 of 5 for 6 points in the first half. He unfortunately broke out and went off in the third quarter. He went 6 of 7 for 14 points in the third. Just It didn't matter what defense Miami was throwing at him. He was just in the zone. He scored 10 straight at one point to keep the Bulls there with the Heat just to keep that back and forth going and eventually take the lead. Uh, they would end the third quarter on a 74-72 lead over the Heat. The fourth quarter, though... Gabe Vincent was just like, okay, we don't have Tyler Hero. Well, I'm going to do a Tyler Hero impersonation. Check this out. He scored 11 straight points to get Miami an 83-80 to lead. And then Lowry was able to just kind of like, okay, and, and add in some as well. So, like, through the first three quarters, Miami, one of the big things that stood out for why the Heat were unable to really pull away was their dreadful, I think it was like 7 of 27 from three-point range, something ridiculous. And it was kind of one of those things where it's like, you could just tell, just if we can just get one, maybe two people to start shooting from three, we'll be good. And we got it this quarter. One was Game Vincent, the other was Kyle Lowry. So he added in some as well. They did get the lead to as much as nine in the fourth quarter, which was you know obviously the high for the game. And then the Bulls just were able to start kind of chipping it down. They got as close to three and then that's where the game ended, 107-104 for Miami win. So, yeah, uh, I know last week we like to say that the, that game against the Wizards was the Gabe Vincent game, but uh kind of happened again here. Finished with 20 points, two rebounds, five assists, went 6 of 11 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, with all four of those coming in the fourth quarter, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. Yeah, 16 points in the fourth quarter alone. Gabe Vincent absolutely filled in where Tyler Hero normally would be, and yeah, it it helped Miami to get to its system, and then that just helped uh, pull this win out, even without, you know, one of their best players in Hero. Kyle Lowry also had an extremely good game, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3-point range, all three of those coming in the fourth quarter as well, so yeah, just... To put that in mind, then he was 0-4 beforehand, kind of like with uh, with Vincent as well. He was he finished four of eight, but he was 0-4 before the fourth quarter as well. But Lowry three three uh, pointers in the fourth quarter it was a big reason alongside with Vincent's four. They were able to pull that out. 
Uh, yeah, 11 points in the fourth quarter because of that. Let's see. Overall, the Heat shot 14 of 40 from three-point range, which is good for 35%. Robinson actually had a decent shooting, 4 of 11, which is much... It's not quite 40%, but it's trending in the right direction at least. But the big shooting story was the 7 to 13 in the fourth quarter. Which Yeah, so if it was 7 to 13 in the fourth quarter, that means they would have been 7 of 27 beforehand. But... Uh, this was a game Miami did get crushed on the board, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to stop tracking this going forward, but we'll at least do it for this one. Uh, they did, however, make up for... Miami did make up for getting crushed on the boards by really winning the turnover margin. They won it... Miami only had 10 turnovers to the Bulls' 22. So, yeah, plus 12 there. That's, that's going to go a long way to help Miami just kind of just eke out that win, which was good because, uh, yeah, the next one... It's not going to be very fun to talk about. So despite the want for drama and stuff that tends to get associated with this game, it was very much an anticlimactic time for the Nuggets coming to the Heat after, you know, what happened a few weeks ago when the Heat were at the Denver instead. But, yeah, this is a game Miami lost 111 to 120. And honestly, just losing by nine doesn't properly reflect just how much of an ass-kicking this ended up being for the Heat. Um, a better score would have been like 105 to 120, you know, like a 15-point loss. Is cl- that's being generous to Miami. You could have told me 100 to 120, that, but I mean, yeah, 20 point. That actually may have been about right. But regardless, um, going to the replay, the this is a game. I actually almost forgot that the Heat were in this game at some points, uh, but they were tied at 17 about halfway through the first quarter. Then the Heat just went absolutely cold, only scoring six points to take a 23-32 to deficit going into the second quarter. They were able to get the uh, deficit as close as three, but then the Nuggets just went on a 12-0 run to just blow this right back out. And then they kept pushing that until they had a 20-point, 63-43 to halftime lead. The second half, you know, Miami did come, come out with some energy. I'll give them that. But just... Every time they tried to do anything to go and run. So, you know, like when you're down 20, they're like, okay, get it down to 15. And they would be able to get down to 15 sometimes. And then it was like, all right, once you get down to 15, try to get down to 10. And that was always the big problem because every time they tried to go from 15 to 10, just somebody on the Nuggets would drain a three. There was a lot of like random scrub bench player on the Nuggets that were just going berserk, shooting from like curry reins. They have, you know, fucking like 27% from three on the season. But nah, this night they're shooting like 66%. I I don't know. Like it was a very much an aberration game for the Nuggets, but uh to finish it up though, yeah. The every time they tried to go from like 15 to 10, you know, the Nuggets would hold them off with a 3. The lead never got within 10 until literally the last second, which required a garbage time gave Vincent to just go like three or three or four or four, something like that. He made like three or four straight threes. And that's like on the very last shot that went in. It was like, oh, okay, cool. We finally got it within 10, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. It should have been like a 100 to 120 or something like that. I probably would have better reflected it. Anyway, uh, to go back into like any of the players that stood out, Bam Adebayo, really quiet first half, only four points, five rebounds, three assists. 2-7 from, fe- from the field, didn't get to the line at all. He did come out and have a strong third quarter, like really strong third quarter as Miami tried to, like I said, they, they were able to push it to 15, and then just they couldn't get from 15 to 10. 
But uh, third quarter, bam, 15 points, five rebounds, one assist, seven to 10 from the field, one to two from the free throw line. But yeah, it goes back to that same thing like, bam, just please do do this from like the first quarter until the end. Uh, just, just go out there and look the score. He, I will admit, he did, he still had seven attempts in the first half. He was trying to get the shot going at first and it just wasn't falling. And then that's why he went more facilitating. But yeah, it was definitely dropping in the third. Uh, and to great effect, it was just really wish that we could have more quarters like that where he just dominates. He finished 24 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 11-19 from the field, 2-4 from the free throw line. So overall, pretty good. But that was mainly, you know, held up by that really great third quarter he had. Uh, which is still great, but like the lows of the first half were, were there as well. And yeah, he, again, Nikola Jokic is just... For, for the way that Bam is as a defender, Jokic is almost like the... Uh, Jokic, again, does this to a lot of players in the league. It's why he's MVP-level player. But he is more specifically really bad for Bam. Because Jokic doesn't really rely on athleticism as much as he relies on skill, finesse, and shooting. And because he's taller than Bam, and that's a pretty big wingspan, he can just kind of play over him, whether that's shooting or passing. But... Um, then to kind of like zoom this out real quick, at the end of the day, like if you're going to get your ass kicked by a team or by an individual player, might as well make it a team that's in the opposite conference. You know, it, it does suck that we lost both games to the Nuggets and got blown out in both, but the only time we'd ever see them where it really matters is in the NBA Finals because they're opposite conference. Like this game doesn't matter for any tiebreakers unless it's like fourth or fifth level tiebreakers. Um, and, yeah, playing them in the finals, I think Miami has a better chance than they do only because of just the amount of injuries they've had. But end of the day, it sucks, but this is also a game because it's opposite conference. You can just write it off. The Nuggets were just absolutely insane. This is literally the fourth or fifth worst three-point shooting team in the league, like from percentage, and they went 18 of 35 from three, which is good for 51%. There's not a lot you can do when the other team is shooting that well. And again, it wasn't like the Heat, you know, they were just letting them have threes from like super easy spots like the corners. Like some of the, most of these, especially in like the second, third quarter, were deep threes. And it's just kind of got to throw your hands up and be like, well, offense beats defense. So if y'all are going to have an aberration just shoot out of your minds for one game, whatever. There's not much I can do about it. At least it doesn't hurt us too much in the end. Uh, let's see, the, any other players of interest? Lowry had a solid game, 17 points, 2 rebounds, 14 assists, so serving it up without uh, Jimmy Butler there, without Butler and Hero there. 5-9 from the field, 2-5 from 3, 5-6 uh, from the from the line, so not too bad overall. Uh, for the Heat, this was a poor shooting game, not necessarily bad, but 34%. They shot 15-44. Struess, Max Struess, 6-12 off the bench, very nice. Gave Vincent 4-9, but like I said, three or four of those came at garbage time at the end. The big problem, unfortunately, yet again, Duncan Robinson, one of nine. So at least he made enough to, you know, keep the streak going, but that that was about it, man. He just could not get anything else to drop in. A lot of those were very easy looks. But like I said, that game, I would just pack it away, throw it away. It is what it is. It still counts. It's it's still another one in the loss column. But 
There's really no long-term ramifications because it doesn't affect tiebreakers because it's an opposite conference. Moving on, though. So we are now 21 games into the season, quarter of the way mark. can finally, like, we have enough of a sample size that we can start to take a look and see, like, okay, what is this team really this year? So currently the Heat record is 13-8. and eight. So, you know, they're still, uh, obviously, they're one of the best if you look at the standings, they're, they're still up there. I'm not really going to assign number values yet. I still think it's it's still early. It's not even technically December yet. Let's get to, like, the halfway mark, I'll say, when I'll start to give a damn about the standings. But 13-8 and eight is the record right now of those 21 games. Just to just try to illustrate, like, this has also been a tough 21 games for the Heat. They, um, 13 of 21 of those games, they have been on the road of which they have won seven of six. So they're still positive on the road, which is fantastic, especially when you consider that they've had a five-game road trip out west, which is nothing but uh, Western playoff teams uh, minus the uh, Thunder. But And then they also had this four-game road trip that they just finished up as well. And to still be positive on that, seven of six, like over 500, still I think is a great sign for this team because that that's rough. Um, of the eight games that they've played at home, they're six and two. The only two losses being like a bad game against the Celtics, and then what looks to be a bad matchup minus some key players against the Nuggets. Um, this team is one that's also had a lot of injuries. So, and they've also try are trying to be cautious with some injuries, like to say Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Hero, because they know they're going to need them for the long time. So, just to give you an idea. Only Duncan Robinson, P.J. Tucker, and Dwayne Dedman have played all 21 games so far. Everybody else has missed time for injuries or precautions here and there. And the Heat have suffered. The, they've been fortunate that they, the two major injuries that they've had have not been to, you know, starting or, like, key rotation players, like, say, Tyler Hero. Um, but Max Struess and uh, Marcus Moore, like, Max Struess blew out his knee Early on in the season, missed like two or three weeks, came back. He's looked fine, so fortunately he's been able to bounce back well. They've been able to kind of sneakily get him some rest, like get him some DNPs here and there. Uh, It was a little confusing at first, but I think they're just trying to be cautious and make sure that he's rested to keep that knee good. But, um, but yeah, he's missed some significant time. And then Marcus Morris has missed over half of of the season up to this point because of a Nikola Jokic elbow to the spine. Uh, hopefully he can come back. But at the end of the day, these are two players that were coming off the bench. They were like, you know, your 7th through 10th kind of men. So it doesn't, like, critically hurt Miami per se. But, you know, having injuries like that still to rotation players does kind of, like, put a stressor on them, Especially when you have nights where Butler or Bam or Lowry or Hero are, like, kind of, like, sitting here and there um, for the long term. Overall, their schedule hasn't, like, if you look at strength of schedule, it really doesn't look too bad. It's mainly the the injuries that have kind of, like, added the degree of difficulty to it. But, like, strength of schedule, they're kind of below average, although they have gotten some, they have benefited from playing, like, the Pistons and the Magic, who are two of the worst teams in the NBA, and that's, you know, going to really drag your strength of schedule down, obviously. But despite that, there is... um, a metric, it's called a simple rating system. Essentially what it does is it tries to account for, okay, what's your strength? And then like, how badly are you beating these teams? So it tries to take your net rating into account as well. And when you combine that, like the Heat are fourth right now, essentially just, just trying to say that like, yeah, they've had um, a below average strength of schedule, but they're, they're taking advantage of it. Like 
the the best one right now for the league by and far is the Warriors, but their their schedule has been super easy. They're just really blowing them out. Um, but the Heat also doing an equally good job at least so far. Uh, overall, like when you look at their rating, they're fourth in net rating, and then when you break that down, they're fifth in offensive rating and eleventh uh, in defensive rating. Which I think this is a good time to kind of illustrate still that we are. You know, only a quarter, like we are a quarter of the way into the season, but we're only a quarter of the way into the season. And what I mean by that is like, you know, we're still at such a small sample size relative to the rest of the season. The reason why we're at 11th right now is because of that game against the Nuggets last night specifically. And I know this because when I was planning out this episode, uh, I was doing some research yesterday before the Nuggets game, the Heat were fourth in defensive rating. So that one game where the Nuggets shot out of their minds last night was enough to drop the Heat from 4th all the way down to 11th, which on the one hand kind of illustrates like how bad that Nuggets game ended up being, but still just trying to say that like um, you know we're still kind of early in the season, so these numbers can, can vary significantly on a game-by-game basis is if something significant happens within the game. But 11th in defensive rating, I really don't think accurately – illustrates i think that fourth was closer like this is at least a top five offense uh but we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more uh first wanted to talk about the offense because this is like really miami's um area of opportunity if i if i will and that might sound a little weird because it's like hey they're fifth in offensive rating they're still a good offense and they they are it's just they have more area to grow there so overall, like um, I'm gonna use a lot of like ranking, like just trying to say how the Heat is relative to other teams in the league, rather than try to get bogged down in specific numbers. But uh, relative to the rest of the league, the Heat are 13th in points per game, which despite you know having a really efficient offense with being fifth in offensive rating, because the Heat operate at the 27th slowest pace in the league, which we see a lot because they don't. They don't really push it like they'll they'll be a bit more selective, especially since they have Kyle Lowry. They'll try to push the pace a little bit sometimes, but if they're settling down to their half court offense, they're really trying to draw that out and make sure that they have an efficient shot. So that's kind of how that ends up being, where they do have an efficient offense, but because they they like to spend so much time trying to hunt those efficient shots, um, they end up at the twenty seventh pace in the, for pace in the league and thirteenth in points per game overall. Um, this is a team, though, does like to pass a lot. They're very good passing. They're 8th in assists per game, 8th in assist percentage. And we see that, you know, they love to zip the ball around, try to make the easy pass. Uh, sometimes they, they like to overpass the whole, oh, Jimmy Butler driving, oh, he's got a layup, oh, but he tries to pass it out to somebody for a three. So sometimes they, they may overpass a little bit. But it's a big reason why they're so efficient with their offense. Uh, sometimes they also overpass a little bit to the point to where the defense can catch on. They're 19th in turnovers per game, but 13th in assist to turnover ratio. So they're about middle of the league in terms of like their efficiency with passing, um, which is not too bad. But uh, And I think that's probably about where it's going to be. Kyle Lowry, I mean, very clearly he's a great passer. We had a 14-assist game that we talked about earlier. Sometimes he can be a little turnover-prone just because he's trying to force it a bit too much. But, you know, you, you take the good with the bad. And 13th for assist to turnover ratio doesn't feel too bad overall. Uh, to go back to like the efficiency of the offense, they're 6th in true shooting right now, which, again, takes into account 
you know, uh, your free throws, your two-pointers, and your three-pointers. So just trying to say, like, they're a pretty, you know, almost top-five shooting team in terms of that statistic. They're only eighth in effective field goal percentage because that doesn't take into account their free throw shooting, uh, which is important. They're fifth in free throw attempts, and then they're also shooting fifth from the line as well. So they get to the line a lot, and they shoot really well from the line as well. That credit, you know, goes to Jimmy Butler uh, and to Bam Adebayo. I know he had a 4-for-11 game, but that's more aberration than the norm. He's usually been like, you know, I think it's like high 70s or something like that. He's a good free throw shooter. Um, but, yeah, between those two, that's a big part of what Miami's offense does really well. But the elephant in the room is the three-point shooting. So Miami does not take a lot of threes because, again, they're always trying to, like, hunt that efficient shot. Um, they're 20th in three-point attempts. Uh, 18, like, if, and it, you may say, like, okay, well, they also run a slow pace. But if you try to account for pace by just looking at the rate that they take three-pointers, they're 18th in three-point attempt rate. So, you know, they're they're not taking a ton of threes relative to the rest of the league. They're, like, you know, near middle of the pack. The big problem actually is just their shooting percentage. They're 13th in the league at three-point shooting. Uh, and that's, like, the big problem for them in, in the terms of, like, how this system is supposed to work. So we think back to uh, the 2019-2020 season where, you know, this was a, where they went to the finals, things like that. Everything was clicking. And Miami was second in the league at three-point percentage. They were still, like, really low. They, they were about middle to low middle of the pack in terms of the attempts and the attempt rate. They were just really efficient with the threes that they did take. That was, like, why the system worked so well. And then you look at last year, they were about the same. Like, they were, like, middle of the pack for three-point percentage. But Tyler Hero was off all year. Robinson was off for a good chunk of the year. And, yeah, they were just kind of struggling in area, in other areas. And that team ended up getting swept in the first round of the playoffs. So it kind of goes to show you. Say, uh, kind of like the same thing here where they're middle of the pack. They really should be higher. They would be higher. The, the two big culprits, and I mentioned this last week, didn't really get much better this week. The two big ones, you just need Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson to get to their career averages. They don't even need to go above it. If they just get to their career averages... Uh, that three-point percentage shoots way up, probably about top five at that point. Miami's offense gets even better, and then that's where they're like really blowing teams out, which is why I say that the offense has more potential to grow because we're really just asking two players to shoot their career average. I don't think that's asking uh, too much. Um, other things that have been good for the Heat's offense, they've been uh, seventh in points off turnovers because, you know, they don't get a lot of steals. They're like middle of the pack in terms of steals. But when they do, they get out, um, and they usually score pretty well off of those. I think like think a lot of plays where you've seen Jimmy Butler poke the ball out of the passing lane, and either somebody passes it to him, or he's just taking it by himself for an easy dunk. You know, those are easy points off turnovers right there. They're only 17th in fast break points, but this is not a team that pushes it hard. Kyle Lowry will get them out there and push, and I think he's one of the reasons why they're even as high as 17th. But it's not a big priority for Miami, unfortunately. And then lastly, um, they're 21st in points in the paint. They don't get a lot, but they're also scoring a lot more, usually from like mid-range areas because they have players like um, you know Bam, Butler, Hero, who are good mid-range, mid-range players versus get into the rim. The only players they have that are really good at that would be like Bam and Butler. Um, but that's fine. Overall, it's still an efficient offense. 
Uh, one of the other areas that's really good is their offensive rebounding. It's cooled off a bit, but they're still ninth in offensive rebounding, which is a big reason why they're 11th in second-chance points. Um, and just, yeah, that goes to Bam, especially goes to Deadman. Those guys really hit the offensive boards hard and then gets, you know, some good hustle points out of that. So most of what Miami does offensively works. Like, obviously, you can't be the best at everything, but in terms of, like, how it works, it works really well already. It's it's efficient. It's fifth in offensive rating right now, but it has room to get better. We just need two players to go career average from three, and this would be, I think, easily top five. Because, uh, like, again, like, to go back, you can drop from four to 11 if you have an extremely bad game. So this isn't that, I don't really feel that this is a fifth-ranked efficient offense right now just because of the three-point problem. I think they're, they're kind of making up for it in some other areas. But if this team can go back to what they should in terms of just like, you know, Lowry and Robinson shooting from three, this will be like an easily top five offense, which if you want to win a title, pairs really well with, say, a top five defense, which I do think, despite the 11th and defensive rating right now, I do think the Heat already have a top five defense. So for the defense, they're uh, just kind of try to go over some of the similar statistics. Uh, they're third right now in opponent points per game, which again goes back to the whole slow pace. That if they ha- if if they're not scoring a lot because they're slowing down the pace, then the opponent's not going to have a lot of time to score as well. Um, and overall, that's why they're like third right now. They're eleventh in opponent field goal percentage, sixteenth in opponent effective field goal percentage. The big reason for that drop-off, I think, has to do with the way that Miami is defending three-pointers. So right now, the Heat are 10th in opponent three-point percentage, uh, but they're dead last in opponent three-point attempts. So opponents are getting a lot of threes up, and they're converting them at a a good rate at, you know, 10th, but they're not, like, absolutely killing them by, say, being, like, first or second. Um, But this has been kind of like a staple of the way Miami has defended for a while. What they like to do... Uh, especially over the last few years since they got Jimmy Butler, is they pretty much like to funnel three-point attempts to usually bench or, like, rotation-type players. Kind of like, okay, yeah, sure, we're going to let you shoot a lot of threes, but we're just going to make sure it's your worst shooters taking the threes. Most of the time, it works. But then occasionally there are games, like, against the Nuggets where those bench-slash-rotation players drain the living hell out of those threes and you just, you know, get fucking blown out. Um, but overall, you know, it's, it's still, it still works. Like they are able to essentially, you know, it's what, what they always say, like, you got to do what the defense gives you and what they're giving offenses is, okay, we're going to let you shoot as many threes as you want. We're just going to make sure it's your worst shooters. And I think that's why, like, um, you know, the difference between field goal percentage and effective field goal percentage is just taking into account the value of the three. I think it's why you see such a drop from 11th in field goal percentage to 16th an effective field goal percentage. Uh, they The Heat are also second in terms of uh, opponent field goal attempts that are less than five feet. So they're doing a good job of kind of walling off um, the rim specifically. However, once they're, they're 29th in percentage. So they don't quite have like the rim protector. It's more like they have a rim preventing type defense, which kind of makes sense. Like Bam is, I still say, is a defensive player of the year level player. I don't think he's quite having the defensive games necessary at this point in the year, but there's still obviously plenty of time. 
But what he is most effective at is essentially preventing shots at the rim. Uh, once they're, you know, they're, the Heat are like 29th or 30th in blocks, so they're not a good blocking uh, team. They just are a really good prevent team and funnel into bad shots kind of team, like a lot of mid-range. Go ahead and take a bunch of mid-range, and we're going to let your bad three-point shooters shoot. If you, if you want to beat us that way, thumbs up. Um, but yeah, we're going to wall off the paint, and that's why they're also second in opponent points in the paint, and... Yeah, we're just going to make sure your other players can't really go off. Uh, this is also a physical team. They're 29th in, you know, fouls per game. So that's not quite good. But uh, they are 14th, though, in opponent free throw attempts. So they're making sure that when they do foul, it's more so on the floor versus shooting. So I guess that's also good. Um, as you would expect of any Miami Heat team, there's also some good hustle stats if you want to look out there as well. So they're 7th. An opponent points off turnovers, so they were they do kind of turn over the ball frequently. I think they were what nineteenth in turnovers, but for the times that they do, they're at least efficient about covering up their mistakes. Uh, they are not the best at fast breaks, so sixteenth in opponent fast break points. This is an older team. They have a they do struggle kind of getting back in transition sometimes. They're more of a half court defense, but that's kind of what we see more in the playoffs in a way. So that's fine. Their defensive rebounding has definitely dropped um, a good bit from the start of the season when the Heat were just out-rebounding the hell out of teams. So 15th in defensive rebounding right there. Teams are just kind of like, they're definitely battling Miami more on the boards. Uh, ninth in opponent, second chance points though. So, you know, at least like sometimes, like if they're not getting the rebound, they're doing a good job of kind of shutting down uh, opponents from then scoring afterwards. Overall, though, I do really like the scheme. I like that they, you know, do a lot of rim prevention, and I like how they are able to funnel three-point shots into certain shooters. And I think is what makes Miami's defense really efficient as well. I mean, although it's just 11th right now, but there was a big aberration game last night. I, I do believe this will be closer to like a top five a defensive rating team by the end of the year. So if their three-point shooting can get a little bit better to kind of prop up and give them a top-five offense to go with their top-five defense, that's literally the recipe for, the, for a title. I'm going way over on time, though, so let's finish this up and take a look at the games Miami has coming up for the next week. So first off, they're going to host the Cleveland Cavaliers on Wednesday. The Cavaliers are 11-2. and They've won their last two. Uh, they were, had a win at the Mavs last night, so they're on the road right now, and they're coming to Miami for the next game. This is a game that the Cavaliers will be without one of their better guards, Colin Sexton, but they do have their rookie phenom, Evan Mobley, back, who, from what I've heard, is just absolutely incredible. I have not gotten to watch film of him yet, but my understanding of him is he, he seems to be kind of like a really good big, kind of like Bam, so I'm interested in how that matchup is going to be. Overall, though... This is the Cavs team that I think is more like a playing level team. And looks like Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hirosilis is day-to-day. If they can come back, or at least one of them comes back, I think this is a solid win for Miami. Um, probably like probably close to like a five-point win or something like that. I do think the Cavs are legitimately scrappy, so I don't think that we can walk in and say this is going to be easy. But I do think my, Miami can handle this team, especially to bounce back before having to go on a quick back-to-back on the road. First, they will be at the Pacers on Friday. This is a Pacers team that's not doing too well right now. 9-14, lost their last two, but one of those wins that they do have was against Miami. They're 0-1 in the season series right now. Um, Yeah, they lost to the Wolves last night, 
They'll host the Hawks on Wednesday, and then they'll host the Heat on Friday. Uh, side note, looking injury list. There's still no TJ Warren. I would expect Butler and Hero to be back for this, at the very least, like the latest for, for this these games. Um, but I do think this is going to be a solid win still because, like, this is the team Miami – I mean, yeah, they did lose their first game, but they went to overtime tied at 87. So it was just a really bad offensive night for Miami. It was the only reason why they even went there. I think this is a good bounce back. And really, I think this is the important one to get on this specific back-to-back because the second back-to-back is against the Bucks on Saturday. And I feel fairly certain that that team wants to stomp the mess out of us for what we did uh, in the first game. But to, to finish up with the Pacers... Uh, yeah, I still think it's a solid win. This is the one that Miami's going to be, if you want to say, aiming for, like to really get to, to at least make sure it's only one and one, one and one at worst for this mini road trip. And yeah, so after that, the Milwaukee Bucks—they're currently thirteen and eight, so they've bounced back after you know what was a kind of a rough start to the season because of the injuries. They yeah, and the big reason why that currently on a seven-game win streak. So yeah, that's going to help you. They went from under five hundred to now thirteen and eight where, you know, they're right where Miami is. Uh, Miami is ahead of them in the season series 1-0, so that would be another reason for the Bucks to try to, you know, steal this game, make it at least 1-1, because these kinds of season series against, say, like the Bucks versus Heat are really pivotal, um, just because of, like, the way tiebreakers come into account. So, like, like sure, like with the Pacers, for example, um, we also, the other reason why we want to win that game is, while it does not seem likely that, you know, Indiana and Miami are going to be, no offense to Indiana fans, it doesn't seem like they're going to be close enough to where a tiebreaker is going to matter because you have to have the same record, obviously. It looks like Indiana is going to be near play-in and Miami is going to be like home court, so it won't matter. But against the Bucks, where the Bucks also look like they're going to be a home court team, uh, having that tiebreaker series matters. So reason why you get the Indiana win, one, it's going to be the easier of the two, and you tie it, so in the worst case, if something were to happen later on in the season, hopefully you can then get that tiebreaker. And then the one against the Bucks, uh, like I, th- I think Milwaukee's going to come in. One, they want to prove, uh, you know, that it wasn't a fluke. And then two, they want to even that series up. They um they do have a back to back this week. They're going to be hosting the Hornets Wednesday, and they're going to be after after Thursday. But they're not going to have a back to back. So they'll, have, they'll be rested. They'll be at home, and they'll be wanting to even up that season series. Um, all of that is why I think like this is probably going to be a loss for Miami. I just hope that they come out and still you know go out. If they do go out, go with some pride kind of thing. Don't don't get like whooped. Um, but that's fine, I think, in the big scheme because this team, do, they do play each other four times this year. So this is the second game. And then the third game is the following Wednesday, which we'll, we'll preview in next week's episode. But yeah, Miami hosts that one. So they get that win as well. Then they're up 2-1. And there's nothing that Milwaukee can then do in order to win the series. The best they can do is tie it at 2-2. But uh, that's kind of getting ahead of itself. Yeah, that Bucks. They're they are still without um, Lopez and Divincenzo, uh, but they do have their big three healthy: Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and that's a big reason why they've won seven straight. So you add it all together, and I I just think that that's probably going to be a loss. Um, but then to finish it up, uh, Miami will come back and they will host the Memphis Grizzlies on Monday, so they'll have at least you know Sunday off. This Grizzly team's currently ten ten. 
Uh, season series doesn't really matter against them. They heat her up 1-0, which is one that they blew them out despite having John Morant. And I say despite having John Morant because, unfortunately, he is now out. Uh, he had a knee injury. It's unknown when he'll return. Hopefully, he'll be fine. But, yeah, if they blew this team out with without their best player, I mean, so long as you don't go in just expecting to win, which, you know, obviously will lead to, like, a trap game kind of scenario. But you should be able to have this one. This should be an easy win. Uh especially since it'll be at home. So, yeah, I've already taken up enough time. Uh, that'll be all for this week's episode. Be sure to follow the pod at Heaters Heating on Twitter and myself at KBR Heat Nation. Also, check out the other great pods we got. Uh, you can find them all on OT- at OTG Basketball or OTGBasketball.com. I'll be back next week. So, until then, stay heating and have a good one.